um, really two openings. We're going to begin in Matthew chapter 16 and then jump over to Ephesians 1. And um, I'm going to be uh, just real up front with you this morning. Um, we got a lot to cover. That doesn't mean we're going to be here at 2 o'clock or something like that crazy. But um, there's a difference between teaching and preaching. Um, preaching, simply put, is the proclaiming or the declaring of God's truth. Um, teaching is the, the expounding or the explanation. Um, and, and, and teaching is more about connecting what's been proclaimed and understanding it and connecting with it in your own life on a personal level. And kind of in the middle of all that is, is something called Bible study. And um, if you've ever been to like a Bible study, you know, where people sit around, usually around a table or, or sit around, you know, in sofas and chairs or what have you and, and study the Bible together. And, and this morning, um, we're going to be doing more Bible study. Amen. I almost wish we could just get around a really big, big table and all open our Bibles, maybe have a cup of coffee and, and just hang out. But um, I really feel led of the Holy Spirit to do this. Um, and, and you'll kind of see as it unfolds. Um, while we're doing it. We're going to look at a lot of verses this morning, a lot of scripture this morning, um, but I believe through it all the Holy Spirit is going to say some really important things to us. Amen. All right, so let's begin in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. This is Jesus speaking. He said, and I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now Jesus is making a declaration here. If you go back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned, God the Father came on the scene, and amongst other things, He made a declaration. He declared there at the, the fall of humanity, He declared that woman would one day bring forth seed that would crush the head of the enemy, crushed the head of Satan. And of course we know Jesus, that, that God the Father was prophetically speaking of the day when the Virgin Mary would give birth to Jesus. Jesus is the seed that crushed the head of the enemy. Now what you have to understand as well though is that God the Father standing on the earth and declaring that He was setting it in motion. He was making it an inevitable outcome. In other words, when God declares something, if it's let there be light and there was light, or if He declares something like this, that one day seed will come from the woman that will destroy or crush the head of the serpent, the authority of the enemy, we know that when He says it, it's going to come to pass, no matter how long it takes or how much it costs. Amen. And so we see that there are other things we could point to where God has declared and it has come to pass. Here we have Jesus, the Word of God made flesh, standing on planet earth making a very important declaration. That declaration is simply this, I will build my church and no matter what the devil does to try to stop it, he will not stop it. He will not prevail against it. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, I want to draw your attention to another passage that is related, and it's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. This is speaking of what God the Father has done through the completed work of Jesus. And I put it up on the screen if you haven't been able to turn there as, as quickly as we've, we've moved to this verse. It says this, and he, and the he here is God the Father, and he, God the Father, put all things under his, Jesus' feet. And gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, 
the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Now, this passage, when it was originally written, was not written in chapter and verse. So if you take the numbers 2 and 3, 23 out of this, you find this very important phrase, the church, which is His body. The church, which is His body. Now, again, let's take these two verses and let's mash them together. When Jesus stood on planet earth and made this declaration, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stop it, will not prevail against it. He was letting us know what he was about and he was also letting us know what the devil was going to try to do but would not succeed in. Is that he was going to build his church and the devil would not succeed in stopping it. Okay? Now, what we see in Ephesians 1 is that the church Jesus referred to in Matthew 16 is actually speaking of his body. Not just an institution, not just a block building steel and wood structure where people go and assemble together, but he's talking about the living, breathing individual men and women who would be born again and become the called out ones from the world, that's what the word church means, ecclesia, but also he's saying that we would become members of his body. So when he said, I will build my church, he was also saying, I will build my church, which is my body. I will build my body and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, what I want you to understand this morning, what I believe the Holy Spirit wants you and me to understand this morning, is that as far as God is concerned, it has always been about the body. It has always been about building the body of Christ. Jesus being the head of that body, and all of us becoming one with Him and becoming members of His, Jesus' body. I like to say it this way. What we have revealed to us in the written Word of God begins in a garden and ends at a wedding celebration. What began in the garden with the creation of the heavens and the earth and the creation of mankind and, and the unfolding purpose for man, we see that that carries throughout Scripture and ends, as we said, you know, the Mercedes-Benz rolling out the end of the factory down there in Vance, right? What started with just raw materials on one end of that assembly line, what rolls out the other end is the finished product. So in the same way, what rolls in one side of uh, the, the Bible uh, rolls out the other end as the bride of Christ or as the body of Christ. So we could even say this, all of human history as we know it on planet earth, is about one thing, building the body of Christ. You say, well, wait a second, Pastor Mark, I thought it was about the redemption. I thought the Bible was a book of redemption. I thought it was about how God loved us and, 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 and sent Jesus to save us. Save us to what end? To, he saved us, He redeemed us, so that we can now be, what? A part of, a member of His body. It's always been about a body. It's always been about the body of Christ. And I have this in my notes in all caps. Understanding this will help you understand and make sense of life. We're talking about big stuff this morning, in other words. We're, we're not just talking about little things that, that you know, we just toy around with for a few Sundays and move on to. We're talking about big stuff here. We're talking about big pieces, big chunks, big things. Amen. Let me say it another way. If you live your whole life and never understand that you were created by God to be a part of something bigger than yourself, you're going to miss out on what God created you for. 
If you never understand that yes, you are a unique individual, uniquely created by God with unique gifts and talents, if you never understand though what those unique gifts, talents, and abilities mean as far as your connection with the community of God on planet earth, then you're never going to find the proper outlet or channel for the release of those gifts and callings, talents, and potential to their fullest and to their full extent and to the fulfillment of your individual life. It's always been about the body. It's always been about you being a member of the body. It's always been about you offering what God put in you and gave to you to the rest of the members of the body of Christ. Let me, let me say one more thing and then we're going we're to move on, all right? How many of you know we have an enemy? I'm not here to glorify him. I'm just telling you, we have an enemy. The Bible says we cannot be ignorant of his devices lest he have an advantage over us. Ignorance on our part creates an advantage on our enemy's part. Like so many other things, we tend to only consider the attacks of the enemy against us as personal and individual. What the devil's doing to me, what the devil's picking on me, how the devil's trying to stop me, 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 me. The devil's not just trying to stop you, 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 me, 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 me. The devil's trying to stop the body of Christ. Because he knows the only way to attack the body is to attack the individual member of the body. So even when it comes to the tests, the trials, the temptations, the things that the enemy is bringing against your life the pressures, the, 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 the different things that, that, that he uses to try to manipulate you. Even, even that, it may, it may seem like, feel like, look like it's only against you. It only has something to do with you individually. No, 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 please. See, let me, let, me say it, let me say it on the positive side. God doesn't just consider you as an individual. He considers you as an individual. Yes, He knows you as an individual. But when He sees you, He sees your whole family. He sees the family that you represent. That's why He said, you'll be saved and your house. Right? And your house. And your house will be saved, right? When Jesus talked about bringing a sword to separate one member of a family away from the others. You think, well, I thought he was the Prince of Peace. Why is he bringing division? Because if one member doesn't get saved, the chances are the whole family will go to hell. But if one person will step away and come to Jesus from that family, now we've got a beachhead from which God can now work to get the whole family saved. So anything that God does in you, He wants to do in your family. He doesn't just, anything God does in your life, He doesn't just have you in mind. Remember, anything He does in you, He wants to do through you. When you get born again, He wants to use you to get other people born again. When you get healed, He wants you to lay your hands on sick people so that other people who are sick can be healed. When you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, He wants you to lay your hands on other believers so that they can also be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Anything He does in you, He wants to do through you. So anything He does for you, He also has other people in mind that you have the capacity to reach and be a blessing to. Abraham did not pray, bless me, bless me, bless me. He prayed, make me a blessing. 
make me a blessing. Now, did Abraham get personally, individually blessed in the process? Yes, he did. Matter of fact, the Bible says he was exceedingly rich. I mean, he had so much stuff, he didn't have anywhere to put it. But that was not his prayer, bless me, bless me, bless me. He said, oh God, make me a blessing to the nations. Now, if my prayer is for God to make me a blessing to one person, I don't really have to have a whole lot to be a blessing to one person. If I'm asking God to make me a blessing to a family, well, I'm going to need a little more. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm just talking about resources in general to be a blessing to a family than I would just to be a blessing to one person. But if I'm, what if I'm going to be a blessing to a whole family of faith, a, a church, a body of belief? Well, then, see, we, we need more resources, right? What about blessing to nations? Wow. See, now... That's the scope. So it wasn't bless me, bless me, bless me. It was make me a blessing. He has given you the ability to get wealth so that his covenant can be established in all the earth. Father is not, he has no problem whatsoever with you having money or things or being blessed or prospering. But there is a proper understanding for why he wants to bless and prosper you. It's so that you can be a blessing and help others be blessed and prosperous. Now, as simple as I know how to say it, we need a body mentality. The Holy Spirit is shifting us from thinking singularly. I can practice that word in the mirror and still not say it correctly. Singularly. Amen. The Holy Spirit is shifting us from thinking singularly to thinking plurally. From the words I and me and my to the words we and us and our. Now, I started preparing for this morning at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. And then I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to back up a few verses from there because the verses before chapter 4, verse 7 are clearly speaking of and speaking to the body of Christ and not just the individual. And then I backed up a few more because those verses are also clearly speaking of and to the body. And then I backed up a few more until he backed me all the way up to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1. Now, I'm going I'm to begin at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1. And... There's a few things that I'm going to point out along the way. There's no way. I mean, those are in the Ephesians class. No, we've been studying the book of Ephesians. We're in chapter 5, verse, we made it to verse 32 this morning of chapter 5. And we've been doing it for six years. Okay? So, I mean, there, there are men in heaven right now who started the Ephesians study um, with us. Amen. That's true. Um, and it's that rich of a book. The unique thing about the book of Ephesians is you can study the entire Bible by studying the book of Ephesians. It's called the capstone epistle. And the idea behind the capstone, if you understand anything about brick and mortar construction, the capstone is the last stone put in place. And so it's only six chapters long, but it literally contains 
the, the entire teaching, if you will, of the Bible. And so that's why you say, how can you study six chapters for that many years? Well, it's just a lot there. So there's no way that I can cover this much ground and comment on everything that's spoken. But there's, we're, going in for, we're going in strategically. Because the Holy Spirit, first of all, wants to plant these words in your heart or water these words if they're already planted in your heart. But He's also wanting to emphasize a few things along the way. Does that sound good? All right, so Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So first thing I want to point out to you is that this letter is written to the church or it's written to the saints, or it's written to the body of Christ, the same church that we're members of, the same body that we're members of, the same saints that we have now become because of the blood of Jesus. Now, this may be obvious, and you're like, okay, Pastor Mark, what's the revelation here? The revelation here is this, many times when we read and study these things, we study them for an individual or from an individual perspective. Now, I'm not saying that these verses are not speaking to you. On the contrary, they are speaking to you and me as individuals. But if we only understand these rich teachings on the basis of what they mean to me as an individual or to you as an individual, we've missed the bigger picture. So again, this letter is written to the saints and the grace and peace are from God our Father. Verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now if you notice on the overhead, I went through and for emphasis capitalized the plural pronouns. So again, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed me. Is that what it says? No, it says He's blessed us, right? He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose me. Is that what it says? No, He chose us. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined again us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. Now, <clears throat> you say, but Pastor Mark, wait a second. Would this not also be true if we individualized it or personalized it? And it would absolutely still be true if you individualized it and personalized it, okay? But as I told you a couple of weeks back, the Holy Spirit is shifting us here at Heritage. He is shifting us from an I, me, my to a we, us, our mindset where we're no longer thinking about these things only in terms of what they mean to us as an individual, because that's one of the problems that we have in the church world today, not just here at Heritage, in other places, is that a, an, the individual's walk with Jesus 
is only about what that individual can get out of it for themselves. This is a strategy of the enemy to undermine our effectiveness to keep the potential that's within us from ever being realized and from the body of Christ accomplishing the assignment for which we've been left on this planet to accomplish. All right, let's just... When it comes to the Word of God, the devil would prefer that you never even know there is a God. If you hear that there is a God, he's going to do everything he can to keep you from believing that he's real. If he loses that battle, he's going to keep you from ever reaching out or responding or talking to or receiving from God anything God has for you. Obviously, I'm, I'm assuming most people, if not every person in this room, has been born again. You realize every devil in hell tried to keep you from being born again, but none of, none, one of them or all of them together could stop you when you made up your mind to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. But the devil didn't turn his back and walk away from you in that moment. He probably was telling you before you got out of the parking lot, that was just emotion, nothing really happened, you're no different than you were before, I, don't, I hope you don't think this means you're better than some blah, 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 right? He's lying to you. The devil never wants you to hear anything God has ever said. But he's lost that fight already with you unless you're daydreaming about lunch right now and have never heard the Word of God before now. Amen? But once you hear it, he's going to come to you to try to steal it from you, distract you, keep you from understanding it, keep you from ever responding to it, applying it to your life. In other words, the point I'm trying to make is no matter how much progress you make, the devil's going to meet you on the next rung of the ladder to try to kick you back down to keep you from progressing any further. And where much of the body of Christ has stalled in her growth, is it what we're talking about right here this morning? They have yet to progress beyond I, me, and my to us, we, and our. And I'm telling you, that's, that is almost like a last line of defense for the devil. In other words, him trying to stop you, him trying to contain you, him trying to keep you from ever breaking through into the meaningful, fruitful, productive life that God created you to live, the abundant life that's already in you and belongs to you, that the enemy's trying to keep you from ever experiencing and realizing, right? This is, this is one of the last lines of defense from the enemy. He fights it and resists it desperately, right? Because as long as he can divide us and isolate us, he can undermine our effectiveness. But as long as we uh, move beyond that and, and realize the synergy that's involved when we come together as the body, there's nothing, there is nothing that the enemy can do to stop the forward movement of God and his purposes on this planet. So again... It's not just that He has blessed me. He has blessed us. It's not just that He chose me. He chose us. Let me say it another way. Could I say it another way this morning? He chose Wally with me in mind. I know some of you may be visiting. I'm not trying to just... Amen. You do realize that before the foundations of the world were ever put in place, God knew that we would all be sitting here together on this Sunday morning, July 2018. He knew that. He knew that. There are other people that He has chosen to be here with us, and, and they're coming. They're coming. 
Some of you have been chosen to be a part of other congregations or, 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 or bodies of believers, and you're, just, you're here because we're all one body. Don't misunderstand me. But the Bible says, there, that's, we're not going to get to that until the end of chapter 4, but the Bible says in Ephesians, but the Bible says that the Holy Spirit has taken each individual member and strategically placed them exactly where they're supposed to be in the body of Christ. He chose us. He didn't just choose me. He didn't just choose you. He chose us. Do you, you see that right there? As I love to say it, I, I've been looking for, I came out of my mother's womb looking for the men and women in this room. I, 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 I was born looking for you. You were born looking for me because we were chosen. That's what it means in verse 5. Predestined us, predetermined us to the adoption as sons. And he made us accepted in the beloved. Let's keep moving here. Praise God. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. Do you see the we? The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both who are in heaven and which are on earth in Him. And there's again, if, I have, if I'm going to try to preach all these verses, we're going, to, we're going to be here to the end of the year. And that's not what I'm here to try to do right now anyway. But I'm trying to get you to see that even when we talk about destiny, we often think of our individual destiny. We think about purpose. We often think about our individual purpose. Why am I here? No, no, it's not why am I here. Why are we here? It's not just what's my destiny. It's what's our destiny. And what does your individual destiny have to do with my individual destiny and everybody else's individual destinies in this room? Because they're all related. And you can't fulfill yours without everybody else in this room, and I can't fulfill mine without everybody else in this room. That's how intricate all of this actually is. That's why the emphasis on the us and the we. Let's keep moving. Verse 11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. We have obtained an inheritance. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. In Him we also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. Now again, there's a lot that's being said here, but I want you to notice... For, for just a moment, he steps aside to the individual. You trusted, you heard the word, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Are you following this? In other words, there comes a day when each individual person has to say thumbs up or thumbs down to Jesus, has to say yes or no to Him. Okay? 
But notice, as soon as he gets through talking about this individual nature of your own salvation experience and the Holy Spirit who has sealed you as an individual, we see that that Holy Spirit is the guarantee not of your inheritance, but of our inheritance. Until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. Man, there's so much here. Are you getting anything out of this? Praise God, I'm just I'm feeling the, the pinch of time here for a moment. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me say this the right way. It's our inheritance. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? It's our inheritance. It's so much that one person can't inherit it all. But even if one person could inherit it all, it's not meant for one person to inherit it all. It's our inheritance. We talk a lot around here about our heritage. Your heritage is what belongs. Your heritage is, is, is who you are. Your inheritance is what belongs to you because of who you are. But he's not talking about your individual inheritance. He's talking about what it is that Father desires for all of us to inherit from Him together. Let's keep going. 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, I'm not trying to confuse you, but if, if we were translating this into Southern English, we would put the word y'all in here. Here the you and the your is not speaking of the individual. Here the you and the your, your faith is speaking of the collective faith of the group. Your love, the collected love of the group for all the saints. All the saints is speaking of all the born-again folks, not just the born-again folks who worshipped at Ephesus. This letter was initially written to the saints, to the body of believers who met in Ephesus, at the church at Ephesus. Timothy was the pastor there. And Paul is writing this letter to them. And so when he says your faith, he's talking about not just the faith of the individual, he's talking about the faith of the body. How many of you know there's power in agreement? The Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put not two thousand, but ten thousand to flight. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, Jesus is in the midst. If two or more agree concerning anything, it shall be done for them in heaven. He's talking about when the faith that's in your heart is combined together with the faith in other people's hearts in agreement, in, in, in praying agreement, in harmony, in oneness, that there is a synergy that is created that, that literally moves moves mountains. See, we live in a day and age where so much as emphasis is put on my faith. What I'm believing God for with my faith. But again, 
It's what we can do bringing all of our faith together and the difference that we can make in the world. I've used the word a couple of times already, the word synergy. It's a, it's a spiritual truth, it's a spiritual principle that has practical applications. In the Greek, the word is synergio, it's with a U instead of a Y. Our English word is the word synergy. And it, and it kind of works like this, okay? If Matt, working by himself, can do 12 units of work, whatever, I'm just using it as a random measurement. If Matt, working by himself, can do 12 units of work, and me, working by myself, can do 8 units of work, then if we work together, combine our efforts, it's not that together we do 20 units of work, but together we do 35 units of work. In other words, when we work together, we can accomplish more than the sum of our individual efforts. That's synergy. It's a spiritual truth. Again, one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. It becomes exponential. Synergy has to do with the exponential release of potential that resides within individuals working together. Are you hearing me? Not to mention it's a whole lot more enjoyable working with somebody else than working by yourself. Amen? And it was, a, it was a big day in my cabinet business journey when, when I was able to hire somebody to come help me and work with me. It made the work so much more enjoyable. And we got it done a lot faster. Are you, are you, are you following what I'm saying here? Do you, are you, have I got the right bunch this morning? So if we can relate to that and understand that just on a physical working with somebody level, what we're really tapping into there is a, is a spiritual principle. Can I say it just as simple? I know this may sound so... You know, Father God has set up certain boundaries. He, he has set up certain limits to protect us from ourselves. And there is greatness in every person in this room. But God has set it up as such as to you can't achieve your greatness that He's put in you without you humbling yourself and submitting yourself to and working together with other people. Or else your greatness will cause you to rise up in, in pride and, 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 and pride comes before a fall and, and leads to destruction, right? Right? See, part of the secret, if you will, behind synergy is within the confines of communion, fellowship, or we could even say it this way, accountability. The humility that is required of you to submit yourself to and work together with other people. What happens when we are humble? God gives grace and even more grace, right? When we're humble, yes. Am I right about this? Well... I'm getting way ahead of myself, but everything you're able to do in life is because of God's grace. When you humble yourself to other people and commit yourself to not just your success, but literally you're saying, I want to use whatever ability I have to help you succeed in whatever assignment you've been given. That's when potential in you that you don't know is there is released from your life within the context of that relationship, within the context of that humility, within the context of that community, you discover ability that you didn't know you had. 
Because it cannot be released from you. I'm speaking to you from the Holy Spirit this morning. It cannot be released from you with any other way or within any other context. It's a stopgap. It's a, it's, a, it's a preventative measure that God has installed within us. But oh my goodness, when you say, it's not about me, it's about what I can do to help you. When you have that attitude and you offer what you've been given and, and, and you offer your uh, service, your gift as a service to the others in the body of Christ, all of a sudden, more is released from your life than you ever imagined was inside of you. And it's God's grace or His gift working in you. Oh, singers, musicians, come on. Amen. I had this crazy idea that I was going to get all the way through to chapter 4 this morning. I don't know where I thought that was going to happen. After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. They didn't just love what was happening in their church. They weren't just supportive of what God was doing amongst their church. But they were helping, I'll just use us as an example. We're helping folks in Indonesia this morning. We're helping folks in Tanzania this morning. We're helping people in Pakistan this morning. We're helping people in India this morning. Are you, are you, are you following what I'm saying? Praise God. Not to mention our brothers and sisters in Kisi and in Nairobi. Our love for all the saints not just what we're doing here and what, what next project we have here and what money we want to spend here. Are you following what I'm saying? We're part of something bigger than ourselves. Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. I do not believe, because Ephesus was a mega church, I do not believe that Paul called the individual names of every person in the Ephesians church every morning when he prayed. But he prayed for all of them nonetheless when he prayed for them as a body. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of, that should say, your understanding being enlightened, that, that you may know that what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Remember, it's our inheritance. Praise God. I didn't get there. I'll get there tonight. But if we were to keep reading, you're going to find out that the plan of God all along was to make known to the devil and all his demons his wisdom through you and me, the church. When I said it's always been about a body, I'm going to show it to you in Scripture tonight. It's always been about this one thing. And we are not going to let the enemy keep us ignorant of it any longer. Amen? Amen. Stand with me this morning. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh, Lord, you're good to us. You're good to us. You're good to us. And we thank you for it, Father. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for the richness that we find in your word. I thank you, Father, for the manifold, multi-layered, multifaceted, multidimensional wisdom that we find in your word. And yet, Father, something as simple as paying attention to pronouns can open up for us 
a whole new level, a whole new realm of growth and expansion and development within us as individuals, but most importantly, Father, within us as individuals. Father, I thank you this morning for our faith. I thank you this morning for our love. I thank you, Father, this morning for our purposes and our assignments. And Father, I thank you this morning for our redemption and that we have been, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And I thank you, Father, this morning for our destiny. And I thank you, Father, this morning for our inheritance. Lord, I thank you that what you have called us to do as individuals, Lord, is so much bigger than what one person can accomplish. And so, Father, I thank you that you are awakening us, Lord. You are awakening us, Lord, to a body mentality. Lord, that we no longer look at things from just the simple perspective of I, me, and my. But, Lord, we begin to see things through the eyes of we, us, and our. Lord, that we would recognize this is your heart. This is your heart. And, Lord, this is not to, to make less of us. Lord, not that we would get lost in, in the crowd or in the shuffle of the group or the community. But, Father, it's only within the group and the community, Lord, that we can genuinely shine as you created each one of us to shine. Lord, help us to serve you without fear. Help us to serve others without fear. Help us to serve you by serving others without fear. Serving our gift first to the body of Christ and then to the world around us. And, Lord, I thank you that you are working in us in ways that we have yet to even fathom or imagine. And we thank you for it. And we thank you for it. Let's worship him together this morning before we're dismissed. If you're here this morning and you would like someone to pray with you, these altars are open. But I just want you to take a moment before we all go our separate ways to just worship the Lord. It's in these moments of, of worship when we're reflecting and meditating on him that the Holy Spirit has such an opportunity to speak to us. Uh, as individuals and as a group. And so I just ask you to do that for a moment. And if you would like to be prayed for, we'll be happy to pray with you this morning. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Draw.